0: For the last 30, 40 years, the traditional model was not interested really in consumers. They optimize everything, not for you to save time or for you to save money or for you to whatever. They optimize everything in the grocery for them to make more profit. Welcome
1: to The Wagon Live. Today we're listening to Judith Fetzer, co-founder and CEO of Cookit. Cookit is a Montreal-based startup established to disrupt the food industry in Canada through technology and logistics. It simplifies the planning of weekly meals and helps Canadians to become chefs at home. Keep listening to hear the whole interview.
0: Well, thanks, everyone, for coming today. Uh, I'm uh, very happy to come back at Lagarde. We started Cookit five years ago. Uh, five years ago, we rented a small, well, small, a space, a 2,000 square feet space at 165 Viator. Our strategy was, who does e-commerce better than Franknote in Montreal? And the answer was nobody back then. So we... They were on the sixth floor. We rented a place on the eighth floor. And our strategy was make them food and ask them for services. And it worked very well um, because back then we didn't have any money. So we didn't have any money to pay designers, developers, but we had a lot of food. So uh, it was one of the best decisions of Cookit to move here in this area. uh, And it always... um, makes me very nostalgic to come back here because we had such an amazing three first years. We were so broke, we were so overworked, but it was so fun. Um, so my name is Judith. I'm CEO of and co-founder of Cookit. Uh, Cookit was the first milk kit solution to arrive in Canada. And... Um, We now offer meal kits to approximately 8,000 customers. Every week, uh, CookKit has grown to a team of 100 people. And we now deliver to the eastern part of Canada completely. Um, What our goal is, is to change customers' lives, uh, nothing less. And um, I remember five years ago, I was looking for a business idea, but while I was working every night around four at my desk, uh, paid by my employer, I would spend like a half an hour, an hour on all the food websites that existed. And I was looking for the perfect chicken with the perfect uh, side dish and the perfect entry. And then I had to find the perfect sauce. So then when I had to find everything, um, I needed, I had like a list of like 20 ingredients and that was just for a meal. Uh, I didn't want to eat lasagna or just spaghetti with bologna sauce because I had traveled, I had worked in the food industry. So I knew how to, um, I, I, my, my taste had developed, but um, my knowledge in kitchen, not so much. So it was a very expensive uh, behavior and I wasted a lot of food. So when a friend told me about that business model, which was brick and mortar back in the days uh, in, um, in Germany, I fell completely in love with the concept. And But since I had worked in the food industry, I knew that I didn't work, want to work in a restaurant or in a retail store because I knew that I would end up spending my life there. So e-commerce was the best way because I can make money and be in my pajamas at the same time. <laughs> so that's mainly the biggest motivation why Cookit became uh, e-commerce because I didn't knew anything back then. I had no coding experience. Before I launched uh, Cookit, I've never heard about the term startup, so it was like kind of a big acclimation. So in a nutshell, that's me. <laughs> all right
1: interesting but so we
0: have time for one more question <laughs> <laughs> well it's only time
1: but could you say that did you really always have this feeling for entrepreneurship or? no
0: absolutely not no. no um my 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 path was kind of uh, a lot of mistakes and errors and failures and um i didn't think i was able to do things before and that's the biggest gift that cricket gave me. Uh, and I say that cricket gave me because for the first time in my life, I've showed, I had shown determination. But back then, I didn't think I was able to do sports or to, to do uh, entrepreneurship or to do anything. So uh, I studied in business. For some reason, and I still can 't explain that uh, every time my friends had somebody who they knew that wanted to launch a business, they would contact me so in my um, in my life, I traveled one year, six months uh, in Ghana to do import export that kind of like fell on my head i didn 't plan that after that, I opened a shop in uh, Chabanel of um etalage, um, rackings display, I did that for another six months, and after that I did another six months um, with a friend to launch a financial business on the internet, um, so it was kind of like, I've, I, I did a lot of work in startups, small businesses, but the thing that was always coming back, it was that I wanted to do things my way. So when I finished my bachelor degree, which took like eight years, and I was having those reflections, I, um, I wrote like 27 business plans. And I'm saying 27 could be like 15, could be 48, but I, I was kind of doing like uh, the, um, the, the business model Canva way where I didn't write the whole business plan, but I would have an idea about the business, and then I would argue it in my head and to other people and to suppliers and to future customers. And then there, there was always an argument that was like, ah, oh, yeah, but that's not going to work. So when I heard about the, the, the business model, I had found my, my business. I knew it as soon as I heard about it, I knew that I wanted to bring the meal kit business in Canada. But even when you have an idea, to pass from the idea to actually do it and to have like a product, it took like a year—a year of self-doubt, of fear. of oh, throwing my computer—it's not going to work. And two days afterwards, okay, let's try this again, and like just small, small steps. And yeah.
1: So, so what you're saying is, you literally wrote 27. 27- uh, business model, but you—you never—I mean, Cookit was your first at- yeah. atom. Yeah, Is that it was correct? my first baby. All right. Oh, that's <laughs> it. and so if we just, because actually I read an article that uh, actually your partner, your business partner, wrote, said that. The very early days of Cookit was like being in a boat with a thousand holes. (laughs) Is that really how you felt? And could you share a bit about that?
0: Uh, Well, yeah, because uh, that's actually, that was my first business. Well, I had two business partners at first, and and it's my boyfriend at the same time. And... um, you're being an entrepreneur. We did the first like three years that we bootstrapped no outside cash in the business. So you basically had to do everything. The first year I was doing deliveries. I remembered writing recipes, uh, doing social media, uh, learning how MailChimp works, learning how Google Analytics works once, and then they change it every two months once you've learned it. It's wonderful. And so, like, every time, it was learning to do everything. I did customer service for the first three years, I think. Not I think, I'm sure. I did customer service for the first three years. Every morning and every night for two hours, I would do customer service. Um, So, what was the question again?
1: Uh, actually oh it's the, a
0: boat yeah, yeah. okay like so the,
1: the y- y-
0: you have like t- three million things to do so you're gonna spend time on the thing that's most important and valuable at that moment for your business of course you would like to do everything i remember everybody was trying to give me feedback oh but you should do that oh thanks a lot for the suggestion i know i just don't have the resources or it's not a priority but yeah Ready
1: then is there something like you now if you can think back at that time like that probably you would focus more and or you would you still keep doing everything or?
0: my uh, i always say that my uh, my biggest mistake i don't think i've made a lot of mistakes uh that i would redo like i did plenty of mistakes but not anyone in particular haunts me the only one that really that i would do completely different was really to go raise capital before. Uh, I'm in the milk industry is a really intensive capital uh, industry. Uh, We invest approximately 25 to 30 million dollars every year, uh, just so far in Eastern Canada, and we are four companies to do so. So my first three three years were, oh, we don't need cash. Like we're just gonna do it break even, increase our sales two three percent monthly, and that's gonna be how we're gonna win uh, our the race. Uh, but looking back, I should have gotten to capital uh, capital first. Right. I, I but think that's the, that's basically the only thing. Like, there's other things like doing deliveries in my car for a, a, com- a complete year and deliver. Like, it was a bit stupid, but it doesn't bug me as much because I got to speak to customers and driving, get to get think. So I was still working in a way. So,
1: but yeah, actually the, I mean, the finance topic is definitely interesting. And, and we I think talk more about this maybe with the question or I have mm-hmm. some as well, but <laughs> I, I'm, actually money, really, money, money. I'm actually really, I'm actually really curious to know. So how soon did you realize that, the cookie it was could be a real hit. Like there was this need. I mean, in in the tech, we we often talk about this product market fit con- concept, where mm-hmm. you finally see that okay, I'm have this traction that shows me that okay, this can be a hit. But how soon I don't think did you we
0: realize realized it? Like maybe in the past two couple of years, I have realized it more. But it was never like oh, okay, like traction. Like it was always. When we switched to the subscription model, um, changed completely the business. We could see um, in high seasons we can see increases of seven, eight percent, um, and that was with no cash. But we've never really realized it because we were a bit too ambitious. So our objective was were really high. So we were not getting to where we wanted on a monthly base. So it was always kind of like, oh yeah, but still a bit too slow we could so it when you have a business you become very uh, judgmental and like critical about yourself it's not just when you have a business I think it's a uh, it's a complex that we all have but you become very critical so you've like so yeah i realized it maybe in the last 18 months okay so we have something good but not before
1: and I mean, when, when you started at the beginning, did you have like a, a kind of early adopter target? Like, oh, it's, cause I, I guess Cookit today is like- Oh, it's cookie. completely
0: you have, different. Yeah,
1: exactly. You have, the
0: first time we launched Cookit, uh, back then I was not single, but like living a single life. I had no kids in my life. Uh, I had friends over every night, and we didn't think the subscription models, the people from Quebec, were ready. So we had a food service system that you had to order before midnight to receive your food on the next day and then cook. And we were aiming towards more, bigger portions, so like six people, eight people, 10 people. It was like, have your friends over for a meal. and But then, in the industry worldwide, you saw that everyone was going, changing to a subscription model because before it was like half half and nobody was really sharing their results. But at a certain point, it seemed, well, it was it became obvious that like Blue Apron, HelloFresh, all those big companies turned to subscription model and it was really the key for, uh, for, for growth. So at a certain point, we switched to Young Myelin. Clientele uh, with friends. To okay, then I became a mom, and my boyfriend had two, so it had like I realized that okay, so when you're a mom, you have to put a meal on the table every week. So then it became like subscription model, but for families. And then we um, we realized that we had a lot of families, but uh, like young people, like with no kids, young couples, young couple professional couples were still coming in as customers like 30 40 percent even if our message was only family like your kids will love it we have kids everywhere on the website it was like we're going into that knee so strong but then like young professional with couple, with uh, with no children still came by so we were like okay so maybe we're not going to do the shift completely so um and now we're still, like, it, we gave ourselves, like, a year to really, um, we're, like, doing um, more niche work uh, because, um, yeah. So we're doing more niche work. And uh, we've launched Cookit Durable, which is the first meal kit subscription company that will deliver your food and then take back the, all, all the packaging in a sustainable uh, way every week. So our kits are delivered by bike. So that you heard in the industry, like in the media for the last year, uh, there was a lot of complaints and people were uh, and we felt guilty as well as users so we decided to find a way to revolutionize the industry so we're attacking more the ecological market with that product Um, with the families we're attacking another uh, market and we're also aiming to be a more upscale product so that's like three markets and for the six months we're seeing uh, which one which one will uh, win and become our order winner
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, so basically, what, what, what you're saying here is that you don't have, like, it's been five years now oh. you started and you still keep tweaking your business model, right? I Absolutely. Mean, it's, it's never something that is fixed, right?
0: Absolutely. We've, in the last year, we've launched a lot of different new, uh, new projects we've launched, for example, so we have the meal kit itself, then we added some prêt-à-manger, ready-to-eat meals, uh, then we added product, grocery products so to become a complete um, um, complement de l'épicerie, so you don't have to go to the grocery anymore, and um, the ecological uh, product, the uh, kit durable. So in the past few months, we've tried to um, think of how to become the best meal kit company ever. And so we're still working on that.
1: But if there's something then maybe that actually I read that you never change and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but you always focus on the premium product. Absolutely. That has been, and why why this choice at the beginning? Like Why are you going for the premium?
0: Uh, I think it was more, uh, when you launch a business, it becomes, at at some point like at the beginning it becomes kind of like an extension of yourself uh, for the first one two three years usually the, the the startup and the founder are very linked together and it takes like three or four years for the baby to stop to start, start working walking by itself uh, i remember like four years ago it was like me really the public face of Cookit. now it's different like i'm taking care of my own things and cricket is taking care of um her identity if it's a girl his identity if it's a boy um but so yeah it it becomes an extension of you so like i've said in the beginning it was like more based on events because that was where i was in my life and afterwards i became a mom so it became more families oriented so it always was very close to myself
1: and So is that also way like when we talk about the business model also the the premium product and how would you place yourself with the competition right now and what's actually your your biggest competitor? Is is it a startup as well or is it more like the the big industries like the big groceries or?
0: Well, when, when you're in food, everything that's food is a competitor. So it can be good food. It could be HelloFresh. It's, it's Metro. It's Uber Eats. It's wherever the customer can uh, eat. It's our competition. Um, our main competitors are obviously the ones who are our direct competitors. But still, we're all working together to get the meal kit more and more known uh, maybe all of you knew what was a meal kit but it, in the latest um, in the latest studies that i saw it was less than 10 percent of uh, canadian consumers who were aware of what a meal kit company was so still we're still uh, taking market shares from um, traditional models and taking in um, Taking them in the milk kit industry, which is the e-commerce, um, in Canada, we're approximately three to four percent every dollar spent uh, in the food is in e-commerce, but it's way behind uh, certain certain countries in Europe, which can be as high as ten or twelve percent. Uh,
1: so, what, what when you say like? Here you, you talk about the uh, food revolution is coming. So
0: I think it started.
1: It, it, it's, it's part of it. <laughs> this
0: year, just this year, it's three hundred million dollars that are not going in grocery sales just because of me and my three competitors. So, uh, f- so for what- you,
1: this is just the e-commerce is the. That's oh absolutely not. You, get, you
0: see all of those, the startups in uh, the Myland who are revolutioning the food industry. I think that the, the thing that e-commerce has allowed us to do is really focus on customer needs. For example, the grocery for the last 30-40 years, you didn't really see an evolution between the way we bought groceries before meal kits and other startups. And the way that our parents started to buy groceries. Like, for basically all of their adult life, they bought the grocery the same way. Uh, I remember there's a scene in uh, Le Pain de la Marie 2, which is a great movie. Uh, <laughs> and the guy, I don't know if you saw that movie, but the, the, the father of the bride, Stephen, whatever, um, he is like, Going that's about the the wedding, and he goes in the food market if in the in the supermarket and he wants to buy odd dogs, but they're selling eight sausages and twelve breads, and a lot of companies still operate that way, so But why? You always waste four four breads every time. That's the most stupid example that I found that still exists in the supermarket. Pay attention. Next time you go into one. Uh, So... For the last 30, 40 years, um, the traditional model was not interested really in consumers. They optimize everything, not for you to save time or to you, for you to save money or for you to whatever. They optimize everything in the grocery for them to make more profit. And that's, that, that's perfect for them, but for the consumer, the consumer felt a bit left out with that. You want to cook a lot of different things, but still, you don't want to buy sour cream, like 250 millimetres, use two tablespoons, and then stress because you're going to waste the other 230 millimetres, and that you've paid for. So I think what, what our model brought, completely different, was asking the consumer, but what do you want to eat? We'll take care of everything, it's not because you're lazy, it's not because you like spending more dollars. What do you want to eat? And we'll take care of it. And by doing that we've saved customer time we allow them to diversify their food trying like for example new vegetarian recipes and by doing that we're also helping food waste it's 30 percent in the traditional model of poultry of steak of potatoes of every perishable products and non-perishable products that we use to throw away and our models are saying well no we'll Deliver exactly what you need. And by doing that, we'll order ourselves exactly what we need. If I need 1,200 onions, I'm not going to buy 1,500 just to make sure that I have like a, a gap. I'll buy 1,200 onions because I know exactly that that's what my consumers want. So
1: so you want to kind of place again the, the consumer at the center. What, what, you, what you're saying is whereas the, the bigger... like groceries, they're more into the product before the consumer. Is that a way to see it? Yes. And, and then how do you see like yourself and, and cook it in the short term and, and five years from now? What, what could be the barrier, for instance, to reach what you want to that bring all the consumer to, uh, I would say, waste less of the, mm-hmm. the, the consumer?
0: Um. We acquire a lot of customers. We spend a lot of dollars in marketing. But the one thing, and like if you're aware of churn models or LTV or whatever, one thing that comes around often in my years is yes, but a lot of customers churn. Mm-hmm. I agree. But 25% of my customers stay forever. They're loyal to cook it. They're loyal to the meal kit. And they'll order a meal kit, uh, three recipes every two weeks. They'll skip half. Half the time. So, those are basically my metrics in my industry. You take those 25%, and you're able to grow uh, a business very, very, very much. Um, we have a huge presence in Quebec. We are starting to open up now. Only 10% of our consumers are in Ontario. So that- that like for next year it's more presence for Cookit in Ontario um, we had an investment uh, last year and one of our very investors were, was uh, Arlene Dickinson and um, she will be more implicated in uh, the opening of that Ontario market because she has a lot of credibility and uh, within the next five years it's to have a nationwide brand uh, and to be the leader in um, the more
1: and so you mentioned just uh, earlier that actually marketing was where you spend the most money is that that correct
0: absolutely and
1: is that so what what's today
0: besides marketing it's a very lean business model you have a website so we have like three full-time developers and we customize like our platform is built from scratch on react and we optimize it completely uh but like the operation, we have a warehouse of 20,000 square feet in uh, Saint-Michel. There's basically nothing in it. There's a cold room of like 5,000 square feet and that's it. There's tables, there's uh, cups, there's... Uh, it doesn't cost anything to do a meal kit. Um, well, it, it costs a lot of money, but like the... the mobilisations, the, 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 all the equipment, it's basically... Nothing. We don't need any, like, for example, uh, if you're doing some shirts, like Frank and Oak, they have to buy huge stocks before and it's like very heavy on the cash flow. We don't have that kind of problem. We don't have any waste. Um, before loving the food. I loved the business model before because it was no waste, it was no, ca- no, no, no stock, no nothing. So the only place that we have to spend money is in marketing. And it's really to capture more market shares. We're opening, a new, we're opening up a new market. Like I said, in five years, in the last five years, with $25 million in investments yearly and it keeps growing, still only less than 10% people are aware of what kit is. So there's still a lot of work to do
1: but what's your, your main distribution distribution channel right now do you use, what do you mean like how did you get to be known by by your customers right now is it like the social media i guess instagram it's or?
0: mainly social media so we have a lot less dollars uh, to spend in marketing than our competitors so we have a very uh, social media strategy i would say that our three uh, three best channels to acquire customers one is really the right now like it, it was completely different two years ago but like to give you a brief example of today uh, the first one is really the affiliate marketing program we have one of the best affiliate marketing program in the industry um, if you follow stories on instagram you've probably seen it a couple of times a lot of influencers do a lot of Great work for us, and a lot of them are getting paid a lot of money, so it's variable depending if they are able to convert customers or not. But uh, it gives them um, $40 per customer that they convert, and some um, influencers can win approximately $10,000 monthly uh, by, with Cookit per month. So that's something that's very incredible. Um, then our second best, and it has always been, was always the referral program. So once you're a customer, you're kind of an evangelist for us. And, uh, who doesn't like free food? So you refer a friend, they get two times off 50% on their first box, uh, on their first two box, and you get $50. I think it keeps changing, but I think you get $50 off on, on your next order. So, People talk about Cookit a lot in their cafeterias. Um, Every time I hear a Cookit story, it's because, oh, my friend was subscribed and they had lunch. Yeah, you're in the cafeteria. So at that point, it's always a good. But I have a referral code, if you want to try it. And that has always brought us approximately 25% of our clientele. So that, be sure that in your business, in your line of work, you make sure that you have a good referral program. Your first ambassadors will always be your actual customers.
1: That's actually a good matrix to judge the loyalty of your
0: customers. Absolutely, absolutely. And (laughs) I have to admit that in food, it's easy. People love talking about food.
1: All right so if we go in the more into the topic of the the finance part so you you mentioned at the beginning that maybe one of your regrets was that you haven't raised phone earlier mm-hmm. but so what what was also i guess there was also advantages of maybe being self-friendly at nope. the beginning <laughs> no all right <laughs> nope not one <laughs> okay and so then you how long did it take to raise phone for you
0: three years and a half i think it took me like two years and a half to realize okay so we're gonna need money uh working with pennies every month trying to balance our budget is a bit exhausting so we should maybe do something and raise capital so the first place we went was Ange quebec um it was not the best place for cook it uh, but it was the first time that I was doing a pitch and working on a pitch deck and working on numbers. I remember the first times I was doing um, those pitches, like the, 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 the financing part, not the finances of the company, but the financing part was, uh, I was like, I'm not the best salesperson ever. And that was like my talent that I didn't like. Not a big fan still, even if it's what I do basically of my days. But <laughs> but so yeah, so it took we went to Ange Quebec first. And that's one thing that maybe it wasn't the perfect fit for cook it, but at least it gets you out there, it gets you speaking to people, they um they kind of encadre I don't know the word in English, but they 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 kind of structure you in order to be uh, the best presenter for uh, for for your business, and they have a lot of qualified people there as well to um, to kind of mentor you, coach you. But um, like we have so many startups in like uh, real ventures, or just so many funds, or like. Lagard here as well that you can work on your pitch. Uh, my best advice is go out there, try. Uh, it's not going to be a slam dunk the first time, but maybe after your 20th time, uh, you're going to get at least more comfortable of doing it, and then it will be easier. Um, and every time, the, 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 I'm not like uh, it's not my favorite thing in the world to raise capital, uh, but the fun thing about it is that you have a lot of insight from uh, your market opportunities. A lot of, um, you know, you, you talk about your, your, your business or your business model to friends and family, and they basically don't know what you're talking about. So the advice that they're going to give you is not the most insightful because they have no knowledge in your industry. They pro- maybe don't have any knowledge in business as well. Um, so, and we tend to focus a bit on that feedback. And then with your friends entrepreneurs they'll they'll give you great feedback but an investor job is to challenge you on everything that you're going to say and everything that you're going to do and that's probably the thing that i like the most it's to get real feedback of what you're doing and how you're doing it and uh, when i'm raising capital it's like six or seven months every time and it gets you to really focus on the entirety of the business completely. So it gets you to really know your numbers and really know everything that you're doing.
1: That, that's a, actually a really interesting insight. Also, so you talk about this, the, the part of the investor that challenge you. And also, I'm curious to know about the, the part of the mentor. Do you have a mentor? And is that something you would recommend for anyone to start a company to go for, look for?
0: Absolutely. Well, I have like... I'm not a big fan of advice, and it has to be very, very, very good advice for me to listen to it. So that's a thing that, for normal mentors, can be a bit diff- difficult with me, because I don't apply most of the things that they tell me. But um, when we moved there, um, I didn't knew anything about e-commerce, and then I had the chance to meet Raf Paquin, which, which was one of the... Um, well, which was uh, Frank notes original CTO. Then he became my mentor for like the first two years. was very informal, but he kind of taught me everything uh, I knew. And then uh, I applied to Adopt Inc., which I was there as well. Um, and um, I got adopted by Monsieur Alain Bouchard at Custard, uh, it was two years ago and um, I was super stoked. It was like the best day in my, my entire life. Uh, first of all, I like he was giving me a salary of $24,000 for the year. He would have to mentor me for a year and I would see him on a regular basis. Uh, but I, like I told you, I, at, at first I was like, oh. Okay. Maybe like when you do e-commerce, people who don't do e- e-commerce, usually I uh, like you have to train them on everything. And when you tell them that like Google Analytics exists, they're like, oh, wow. Um, so usually when I have conversations with people who are not aware of e-commerce, I have to go very, very far from in the training. So I was a bit scared of that. Um, but I've uh, met one of the most, the brightest, the most brightest person that uh, that I've had the chance to meet and he understood everything about my business model the industry, capital, customers everything, e-commerce uh, so having him on board uh, was definitely the most ex- beautiful experience in my life for sure right. and now he's an investor in cookie. He I would not say that we're personal friends uh, but I see him on a uh, regular basis.
1: alright uh, what would be your best advice for future entrepreneurs? And what are your three best like takeaways from this experience so far? Uh,
0: of the talk? <laughs> uh, <well.
1: laughs> Not the talk, but from my,
0: the... My, okay. my, first, my only advice is just... Usually I don't say it in English, so now I'm going to say uh, the Nike slogan, but just do it. It's simple. Uh, it's by doing it, by being committed, by starting slow. Uh, Sometimes before I was very, um, everything had to work right now. It was not like, oh, in six months or in seven months or I'm doing that. No, everything that I was doing was right. It has to work next week. Uh, With cookie, I learned passions and determination. But um, and so just do things. Don't be afraid of launching. Um, I was I was lucky. I, I'm lucky because the fear part it's not something that I really like. That I'm really aware. I'm not like a fearful person. But if you have fear, just forget it and go ahead in that. And I one of the best advices that I've had in my life is that you are like the five people that you um, see the most and um, when i started to uh, gather myself with people who were in action and who weren't afraid and who were doing things and who were not afraid and who any challenge weren't too big for them i I started to realize that the real me was that person the person who was who wasn't afraid to do anything Um, so yeah and it's a good step first of all you're here tonight so uh and you're taking this amazing program that you uh, for most of you uh which will teach you how to um basically be autonome because i think coding is one secret power secret weapon that you can have in the world because you can do anything with that uh but yeah just don't be afraid and do
1: but you also mentioned the importance of a team so it's good to call, but also surround I, yourself uh, with...
0: my i think the biggest quality that i have in life is i'm not uh super like i'm not super good in finance i'm not super good in marketing i'm not but i'm super good to surround myself with super good people and that's <laughs> basically and i'm i'm I trust people very easily, but I prefer to trust people and to give them wind behind their their wings instead of wanting to do everything by myself and uh, micromanaging everything. So yeah, surround yourself with uh, competent people. Um, I just wanted to ask you if you would consider being a mentor or if you already are to someone and and because you said you had mentor, would you consider it or would would you like doing it? Before, I would say yes to like every coffee that people would ask or things like that. Uh, At a certain point, I don't know how people who are like super successful like and super popular in the media do it because uh, you um, end up having a lot of different emails uh, per week. I'm super um, invested in the community and, like, working with uh, different people. But I don't think I'm ready to be a mentor completely to someone because that takes a lot of, like, dedication and, uh, yeah. But eventually, maybe in one or two years. I have a quick question about when do you decide that you have to put the amount of energy you do towards financing or creating your product or marketing? Starting out, where do you put sales actually selling your product is it are you trying to create the perfect product first or are you trying to sell to as many people as possible first ah that's a good one we when we launched cookies we went immediately in the media world and um because it's it's a, there's a delicate line You have to ameliorate your product, but also you cannot always wait for it to be perfect because even after five years, Cookit is still not perfect, and we still have issues, and we still have, so if you always wait that your product is perfect to sell it, uh, but sometimes it's better to go a bit smaller, like we did all the medias at first, so then all the medias were like, okay, so we've talked about you guys. But then the first couple of months were like okay, but we're, we were really struggling hard to ameliorate the, ameliorate the product. Um, it's very, it's very much a fine line. You have to sell enough to show that you're that you have traction. I think that's the best advice I could give you. Just show enough, just sell enough to show that you have traction. Ameliorate your ameliorate your product and look for financing.
1: What is your main sh- source of uh, customer acquisition? It is more like referral or paid uh, advertising?
0: Like I said, right now, the, the, the thing that's working the most, uh, it's really the uh, affiliate program. And still, there's not a lot of businesses that do good affiliate programs. Uh, maybe in terms of quantity, it's our, um pay ads that bring more customers. In, uh, but maybe not but the best cost so that's why our best acquisition channel right now is affiliate marketing
1: thanks for listening to the wagon live tune in next week for another episode if you haven't already make sure you subscribe by hitting the subscribe button